This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Slip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. You know what you need to know and what's it all about. Everything you need, it's on the clip out. Welcome to the Clip Out Podcast, episode 324. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. Do I sound teary? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I'll be good. I've been okay for a while now. So it was a rough day at the O'Keefe household. We yeah. put Brian on a plane to Connecticut. Yeah. So, which was both sad and frightening. frightening. <laughs> because that kid gets lost in his own thoughts. And so... So true to send him off to O'Hare first time traveling by himself like he's flown lots of places with us yeah. we like to go places and uh but he's never been the one in charge so that's been scary but he made it he did he made it none of his stuff has made it no all five boxes went poof yeah so, one box the post office left lost and the other four the college lost yeah all right so we right are off to a great start we'll start today tomorrow uh with no deodorant and completely <laughs> naked so it's one way to make friends <laughs> at the new school well, he's he's not that bad off. He does have in his carry on. We we did insist that some of his clothes be packed. Thank God. Just in case something like this were, were to arise. So, so he has a few days worth of clothes. Yes. So uh, we're now we're just hoping that somewhere finally someone was like, oh, yeah, I remember boxes. I put them somewhere where they'd be safe. And but we I, don't know where that safe and, place is. And I don't remember where that place is. And I was like, so they're all like Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that was an adult, though. I know, but it's an adult that's from that world of theater. Yeah. And I'm just like, so they're all like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm so, just glad he made it to New York. Well, Connecticut. Connecticut he he yeah. flew into White Plains. So that was technically New York. And then Correct. went over yes. the little border. Yeah. So thank but, God. Yeah, it was it was nerve wracking, but he did it. So we're very excited. Yes. So. So what, pray tell, do you have in store for people this week? I tell you what, we have a just just jam packed. It is. It is a bumper crop of news. Yeah. So, okay, a lot of stuff dropped this week. Um, We're going to, of course, hit all of the information about the Tread Plus. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Peloton teaming up with University of Michigan. We're going to talk about we're going to do a whole recap on the Peloton on tour. We also have a very, very special interview with not one but two peloton executives and we get deep into peloton for business what it's all about what it's not and it's really freaking exciting by the way and then we've just got all these new features dropping we've got new content to cover now what are we not going to have this week I have already said this, but it's going to be a while till Dr. Jen is back. There's just we're just we're going to leave her be and uh, send all of our love to her. And uh, we also decided to not have Angelo on this week because we've just got so much 
to cover. We also have an interview this week, and this interview is with Lori Lowne. Now, Lori is one of the only female fitters for Team Wilpers, and uh, she covers a lot of information in depth. We like get real deep on a lot of stuff. Uh, That's a really long interview as well. So uh, there's just a lot. There's a lot. Awesome. Well, before we get to all that shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, TuneIn, iHeart, all that stuff. While you're there, be sure and follow us. You never miss an episode. Maybe leave us a review. Super helpful. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the clip out. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Uh, don't forget, you can watch these episodes on YouTube at youtube.com slash the clip out. While you're there, you're supposed to not uh, click the subscribe button there, but apparently on YouTube, you're supposed to smash it. Oh, smash That's- it. That's what the kids say. And by kids, I mean people in their 30s, but they got spiky hair, so they look like kids. Or they usually Presbyterian have like glow in the dark behind them, too. Yes. You know, like lots of neon. Yes. I mean, we have neon. So That's true. I don't know that we can really. And they make the wacky faces. I can't do the wacky faces. Yeah. But uh, so where was oh and also we have a Patreon Patreon.com slash the clip out where uh, you can get these episodes ad free if we get them early you get them early and you get bonus episodes like the clipped out where all it's all the stuff that we didn't have time to get to in this episode we have a little bonus episode where we talk about that stuff and it lives over there at uh, patreon.com slash the clip out finally we throw a lot of links and stuff at you through the course of the week uh, or course of an episode and so you can sign up for our newsletter at the newly redesigned and it will come to your inbox on sunday mornings and you'll have all the links and it's also a good reminder that hey we put an episode out so <laughs> anyway there's all that let's uh let's dig in shall we we shall Peloton in the news. To paraphrase George Costanza, Tread Plus is back, baby. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is going to be back on sale in time for the holiday season. It is going to be a whopping $6,000. Woof. And it is gorgeous. Look at that thing. (laughs) Look at it. So I know you love your Tread Plus. Because you damn right I do never gave it back. That's right. Which now is a savings of like eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, all I those should... people that got their four thousand dollars back and they were all like, ha ha. Well, yeah. who's laughing now? Whoops. Uh, so I shouldn't remind you that it's an eighteen hundred dollars savings because you'll immediately want to go spend eighteen hundred dollars. But uh... they might come out with like custom colors. You never know. <laughs> Branded tread plus. Ooh. So uh I'm just curious if you were buying it today mm-hmm. and the price differential between a tread and a tread plus was that great, would you still opt for the tread plus? Well, I'd have to try out both in the store right. uh, to be fair. But we don't have a store. <laughs> okay, that's true. But <laughs> when I will say this, when I tried the tread, the regular tread uh-huh. at the studio, it was fine. But it was fine. Right. I am not getting any younger. I believe that this Peloton Tread Plus is equal to a premium treadmill like a Woodway. Okay. Those are $10,000 treadmills. So $6,000 for the same type of treadmill, only prettier and with the content I actually want, is a savings to me. That's worth it to me. I get that. Yeah, I see a lot of vitriol online because of 
the cost of the mm-hmm. thing. And so now people are really mad because, well, how dare them have they... a cheaper option and then this expensive option? I'm mad about that instead of just like, oh, I'm glad there are options. Well, people are also rewriting history. Like people are like, well, I bought it in 2021 just before the pandemic or just before it got recalled. Excuse me. OK, that's fine. But here's the thing. The price had not changed since 2018 when this thing was announced. Right. So you really are comparing a five year old product. It might have only been two for you. But in reality, they announced that price when they first announced the tread. And that original price was from 2018. It has not gone up. Yeah. There was never, ever an opportunity for this this tread plus to come back and be that price. Like maybe if it had come back in three months. Right. But no, two years later, after all you all decided to send back the one right. and kill the company and yeah. you think you're going to get it for cheaper. Yeah. No, that I, was never going to be a thing. I also find people <laughs> misremember how much they pay for things. Uh-huh. And so like I saw a guy insisting that he bought it for thirty two hundred dollars. No, he maybe like, he bought a regular tread. Yeah, I'm like, no. No, you didn't. No. Like, and and people were like, no, you didn't. I did. I, like, I didn't. Like, you're full of shit. Yeah, you you are. (laughs) You're just wrong. Yeah. But, like, show us a credit card statement. I need receipts. Yeah. But so it's it's great that it will finally be back. It's going to go on sale around the holidays. You you won't have one in time for Christmas, but you will be able to order one and in time a couple of things though that we need to point out sure number one if you already if you were one of the rare people like myself that kept your tread plus and they are out there i see them all the time (laughs) and they are vocal just like me yes okay so if you haven't filled out the form yet to get your rear guard replaced do that do yourself a favor because they're going to come out and put it on for free uh, and you want them to come out and and interact with your tread plus because they haven't And unless you bought it in 2021, if you're one of the people that bought it in 2018, like myself, your extended warranty is done. So you need somebody to come out and just make sure everything's cool with your Tread Plus. So don't forget to do that. Number two, uh, they said on on the shareholder letter today, this was not on the email that came out, but this is in the shareholder letter, that that these Tread Pluses are coming from stock that already exists. There are 10,000 Tread Pluses. When they're gone, they're going to need time to then stand up an entire line, manufacturing line, and start over. So I think that what they have done is they have been, as these have been coming in, coming back, they've re- been refurbishing them and retrofitting them with the rear guard. And that's where the stock is coming from. But if that was true, plain devil's advocate, if that was true, wouldn't they have to identify it as a refurbished product? They couldn't take it and sell it as new. That's fair. So I, if I, it's if it's unsold inventory, they still had to retrofit it. For sure. If it's unsold inventory, they can still call it new. But if someone said, I don't want the Tread Plus, come come take it back. No, that's fair. They, they shouldn't be able to call that new. So I don't think they're getting refurbished stock. I think that is a good point, Tom. Yeah. I was just seeing it as like they never got it or they didn't yeah. use it or whatever. Although we had heard a rumor that they had just 
thrown away a bunch. And I've heard it more than once. Yes. And people have seen this. I've seen picture photographs of this like in a dumpster. So now those could have been maybe they couldn't resell the refurbished ones to right. your point, And therefore those had to be trashed. But the ones that had never been sold, that's a different story. Yeah, maybe that's I mean, we don't really know the details of the recall agreement that was negotiated. Maybe part of it was if it's recalled, you got to trash it. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows? And, and I will also say just because that stock that has existed like there are people that are kind of like oh it's been sitting there for five years and it's you know a piece of shit i feel like we don't know that like i feel like there's a lot of things we don't know there like maybe maybe just maybe they they didn't finish putting them together until recently like you don't know the right, situation they, they had unassembled ones that precisely they left that they left kind of in unassembled and then now that it's closer they they will finally start putting them together because i get why someone would have would have side eye like well how how long has it been sitting there untouched that's not good for a piece of mechanical equipment it's so not it's a fair it, question. i think it is a fair question it's the people that assume that, right that like it, it there's just assumptions made that as kind if of, peloton hadn't thought about the fact right. that these have been sitting there for a little bit yeah right, for exactly sure. yeah exactly so Anyway, if you're looking for something big and exciting to get a loved one at the holidays, whew, here you go. Yeah. Glad I got mine. Mine's a discount. <laughs> Can't wait to spend that other $1,800. Hey, now. <laughs> that's enough of that. You know, it's probably enough to get a special edition Peloton pretty colors. And where would we put it? I don't know. So uh, it was revealed this week, teased and then revealed that there is some uh, branding coming up. With the University of Michigan and then presumably, not presumably, and then other colleges to follow. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they talked about this today on the earnings call as well that like, hey, we're leaning into this. Like, yeah. You're going to see more of this. Um, they and, and, you know, Barry even touched on the fact that like there's a lot of people that want to do this. He, he used the words that people... There are a lot of people who regard Peloton highly and see Peloton as a valued partnership. Um, uh, but it is super exciting that we are going to start seeing these custom colors. And I think that it is so smart. Number one, smart to release this on earnings call day. Yeah. Uh, two, very smart uh, to have the University of Michigan this whole partnership, right? And going down this road with other colleges when they're bringing in all these young kids. Now, I will say this article that we're looking at right now, this was written by Helper B. Nikki. Uh, now, Nikki is the person that we go to for all the sports ball information uh, because we know nothing. We got nothing. We got nothing. Uh, but Nikki did share some things with me. She she gave me some lingo. She said that Peloton has entered the NIL game. And I said... Ah. So what does that mean? Uh, I thought it was like nil, like zero, you know, like yeah. it's entered the zero game. Sure. She says, no, it's names in league or something like that. See, I still don't have it right. But the the point is that there was a law passed last year. I don't know. Supreme Court ruled on it, something like that, that now players can get deals with companies like Peloton. They could ink a deal. They could then wear Peloton branded gear. Peloton could have special situations with them, like where they come into the studio or commercials, that kind of thing. And that athlete could now be able to get they would be able to have compensation for that. Like athletes, they can't make money. They can't be paid to to play, but they can make money off sponsorship. Deals. Yes. Yes. 
Gotcha. So that, well, that was my understanding. Yeah. Uh, This whole document that you're looking at here, this article, it spells out a lot of this stuff. So it's kind of a way to get the stars of tomorrow wearing Peloton logos. Yeah. And also there's going to be graphics and custom colors and things. They're going to start like this fall. Like it could it could be very, very soon, like a couple of weeks. So that is really exciting. It'll be interesting to see if this will get anyone a sizable number of people that maybe have had a bike for a while. Like people sometimes with people with disposable income, they just want to buy something new. Like if you're if you went to University of Michigan and you're a big supporter and you've had your bike plus for four years now, you're like, oh, you know what? I'll get rid of that and get the new one. It's got my alma mater branded on it. There's not a doubt in my mind that will happen. Yeah. I'm not saying every single person. Oh, Don't sure. get me wrong. For sure. You nailed it. If they have disposable income, if they feel strongly about whoever Peloton is pushing yeah. or the color scheme, by the way, yeah. uh, they're they're going to be all over it. Plus, a lot of people with really high end gems, they brand them that way. Right. If you're a if you're a, a, a Mets fan, you've got Mets stuff all over your workout room. So, like, I could see if they start inking deals with like. MLB or and I'm just spitballing. I got nothing to make me think that they've done that. But yeah, I could certainly see them doing that at Green Bay Packers or what have you. Well, they're also going to be having the bikes for like University of Michigan. They're going to have these bikes out in the sidelines Mm -hmm. at the games. Uh, They're also going to be giving all of these kids uh, access the students there, they're going to give them um, the Peloton app. I think it's the Plus, Peloton okay. Plus app. Like you the kids on the team? I, I don't know. It says in the article. Oh, um, and then uh, it also, uh, they're going to, not only, I think it's any kid who goes to that school oh, wow. was my impression. I do not know that for sure. Yeah. And then there's also going to be discounts, I think, on the hardware itself. So I feel like they're leaning into what I call the Gillette model of that is exactly what they're doing. Yeah, because I I mean, I've told this story before, but I remember when I went to college, they Gillette dropped off a bunch of razors at the fraternity house with our letters on them. And so but then you had to buy the refills. Right. Mm -hmm. And I am now 52. I'll be 53 next month for those of you keeping score at home. And uh, I still use Gillette razors to this day. Well, Again, Barry said on the call today that the strategy that the rebranding was like one of their strategic initiatives was to get in front of Generation Z, you know, get get in front of these kids, if you will. And that is working. That is happening. Uh, So you will continue to see Peloton show up in places they have never showed up before. This is a great example of that. The only problem with the strategy like this and it is that it's the long game and it's going to take a while to really reap rewards because initially these kids won't have that much money. Right. But sure. but, you know, by doing this, I mean, a college graduate is more likely to enter the workforce making more money. They make more money over their life. That's a statistical fact. People yelling at their phone right now about how college is a scam. You're wrong. That's numbers. Sure. Not for everyone, but in the aggregate, you will make more money over your life if you have a college degree than if you don't. And so, like, you know that you're bringing in people that, statistically speaking, are more likely to have money for something like this as they but, as they age. But don't forget Peloton's whole big strategy is less about hardware and a lot more about subscriptions. Sure. And you're going to get people to subscribe when you're giving them discounts and you're giving them the ability like that's smart because yeah. now when you're out of school you're going to be a lot more likely as you said to use Gillette <laughs> yeah and if you if 
you reach a point where you're like, now I have the money to purchase a bike and you've been using Peloton for 10 years as an app. You're just going to buy the bike, even if or the tread or what have you, even if it's a little bit more expensive, just because you're already in that ecosystem. Just get the thing that's going to work with what you've been using. So absolutely long term, it's a smart play. And but in the short term, it might take a little while before they see benefits. But I will also say they want to young up the image. This is another way to do that. It is. It is. It's smart. It's smart. Peloton on tour hit Atlanta. It sure did. I have to say, first of all, thank you to our eyes and ears at 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 the Atlanta event. So Mm -hmm. we had uh, Chris Perrone uh, and Perrone. I always say that wrong. I think it's Perrone. And then we had Tyler. uh, God, his name, Funder Burke, I believe. Okay. And then we also had uh, Jen Kern. So we had three people that are either writers or TCO tipsters or just wonderful listeners, uh, part of this group. And we had so many details, so many pictures, so much fun came from this. Uh, Our people were at the leaderboard event. They were at Club Hosky. They were at the first event where all of the instructors were, the outdoor events, field day. They did all of the things. Let me just suffice it to say everyone had a great time. Peloton definitely switched things up this time. They had they didn't have instructors like doing classes, recording classes like they did last time. This seemed to be more about outdoor classes. That was a big switch up. Uh, And then another thing that they did was they had that field day that was different. And we we think that that was because the field day that the instructors had was so much fun that they wanted to bring it out gotcha. uh, and do it with other people. Club Hosky, that was a non-ticketed event. Anybody could show up. And apparently the lines were just out the door because so many people showed up and all of the other instructors, like people couldn't get in the door because they had reached capacity. So the other instructors went out to the line and they were talking to everybody in the line oh, to, to awesome. you know, interact with them because yeah. they really appreciated people showed up. There was also amazing swag, just like there was at the LA event. There will be at all of the events. Uh, plus all of the boutique items were 40% off. Oh, nice. And you could get leaderboard names and things like that. A lot of people had fun taking pictures with all the instructor heads and stuff like they had a lot of fun the field day itself everybody had a really great time it was super competitive because of course it was right yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it did come down to a tie between chelsea jackson robertson and marcel dinkins uh, and they ended up doing an intense round of rock paper scissors chelsea ultimately won. Uh, And then Jen Kern got some great pictures with her team and Alex out on the field. Uh, And then also uh, she was at Club Hosky. There were some great pictures that came in. Um, Oh, I guess. Yes, yes, that's right. This one was the non-ticketed event. So then let's see. Keep scrolling. Uh, This is really fun. Oh, uh, the Activate Your Greatness event. This was cool too. Marcel hosted, Marcel Dinkins hosted Alex Toussaint kind of as a Q&A, an hour long conversation about activating your greatness. And because that's, of course, his book. And then he talked about his Do Better Foundation, which is his nonprofit that aims to increase access to wellness resources among underserved communities. So he's been working on that. And it was nice for him to be able to like talk about that in a he hasn't really talked about that publicly. Yeah. So that was really cool. Uh, and then we talked about the outdoor group fitness classes. They were all about 30 minutes each. 
a lot of the different instructors did those. Uh, the leaderboard events, again, those were all private. Those were you had to be invited, basically. All of the instructors were there except for Marcel. No, we don't know where she was. <laughs> uh, and then also the instructors got around Atlanta. Matt and John went to some sports ball games and met some of the players and stuff at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then uh, I thought this was particularly cool. Kirsten and Chelsea went to Spelman University and Chelsea, now Chelsea went to Spelman Mm -hmm. and that's where she attended college, I mean. And while they were there, Chelsea actually taught a yoga class there and it was very heavily attended and that was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Neat to kind of come full circle on that. Sure. Also, during the field day event, Reasons to Wine, a.k.a. Jen Kern, she played some fun games with Matt. We had some really great exclusive videos where she asked uh, Matt which instructor he would like to be on a stranded stranded on a desert island with. <laughs> and also, she played Two Truths and a Lie with him. And I'm not going to ruin those, but okay. those are over on YouTube. You can also see them uh, in the middle of our article. They're embedded in there, so you'll be able to see those as well. Uh, so basically, everyone had a great time. The The next event is coming up, I think, was it October? Uh, So that's going to be October in Skokie, uh, a.k.a. Chicago. Uh, There's going to be a lot going on that weekend because that's the weekend of the Chicago Marathon. I have no doubt Peloton is going to tie in with that. Uh, And we know that several of the instructors are going to be running the Chicago Marathon. We also know several of those instructors are part of they're working with the Reeve Foundation. I think we can expect to see tie-ins with all of those things, but we will find out all the details about 30 days in advance. So you can look for that Labor Day weekend-ish to find out when what all those events are and for those to go on sale. They're supposed to go on sale 31 days in advance. And I also think that they skipped September one because of Labor Day, but two, you kind of have to wonder, maybe there's a instructor only event where they're going to get together you know they do that yeah they do those um events so i think that that could be while all the studios are closed and they're not at at these events like i'm just doing the math and i'm like well everybody's free let's have them all get together and do a little instructor summit so that's my prediction awesome people who are enjoying watching the various streaming platforms on their Equipment should be very excited because now Max, formerly HBO Max, is in a beta test. Yeah, it's supposed to start on uh, some people's beta testing started today. So if you haven't seen that yet, don't worry. Still in beta. <laughs> you're you're going to get it eventually. I also wanted to point out that today during the earnings call, Barry mentioned that the Bike Plus is going to be going commercial. And he mentioned that the Row is going to be going commercial as well. Don't know when that's going to be launching, but he made it sound like it was imminent. It was going to be happening soon. So meaning that you might start seeing Rows and Bike Plus at gyms and hotels. That is exactly what it means. Yes. Very exciting. Peloton Row, speaking of, has updated their pace targets. Now, they only had six zones before or six levels, if you will. Okay. And now they have 10. So uh, they've narrowed the levels and, and they've narrowed the ranges rather so that it's kind of like, I don't want to say easier, but it like looks more seamless as you transition from zone to zone instead of like making these big jumps right. from like 
easy to medium to challenging. This is going to be a little more nuanced. So you're you're having some more ability to be play around with those levels. So I think that's really smart. I think I, I'm really glad that they are doing that. Also, they said that levels have been migrated to the closest level in the new set. So nothing is needed on your part. You just show up and it's already done for you. So we had a software update glitch this week. Yeah. So this is interesting because it is impacting the bike plus the tro, the tro, the tro is when you put your rower on a tread. Oh, okay. Which the rear guard now makes safe. In my defense, I went to sleep at 11 (laughs) and I got up at four. Yes. So I am very tired, but uh, it was supposed to be tread in a row. So what's happened is Peloton put out a software update and some people, not everybody, Some people are not able to have that update load. Now, I'm a little worried about this. I'm not going to lie. The last time this happened to people. Yeah. This was a month after I got. No, I'm sorry. When I first joined Peloton, a month after I joined, my bike was basically useless, not useless, but they, they immediately one month later upgraded the tablet. Okay, so then over the next year and a half, maybe two years, then they kept pushing out all these updates. There were a lot of feature updates. I remember so clearly that that nobody believed me that these issues were really occurring until we got the Tread Plus. And when we got the Tread Plus, I showed them on a film that I could update everything with my Tread Plus just fine, but my bike tablet would no longer update yeah they kept blaming it on our wi-fi mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and i think i am worried for people that some of these incidents are tied to older equipment now it says it's impacting the bike plus and the tread and the row most of which are new right so those, i hope that it's not the same but I mean, it worries me all of the rows are new well and so we're <laughs> so we're the treads i mean yeah. the treads really haven't been out that long and so is the bike pluses the bike pluses haven't been out that long right but the row has certainly yeah there aren't any that should have dust on them yet yeah so but the good news is if you're having trouble with this all you have to do is factory reset your equipment and then it should reinstall at that point um but they are taking people's you know request for help one by one so if you've tried all the things then reach out to peloton and they will help you but we checked as of today this was still ongoing and it's been ongoing for several days so yeah okay a lot of a lot of gripes about this one peloton stock ticker peloton had their fourth quarter earnings call okay so first of all they talked about the fact that I'm not going to get into the numbers. My head hurts too much for this. But <laughs> but let me just say that they they basically were like, look, a lot of shit happened this year that we expected, but we didn't expect people to respond the way they did. For example, the seat posts. They knew that people needed to get new seat posts. They did not expect that everybody was going to get a new right. seat post because that was not the intention. Right. That was never what they expected. And not everyone needed it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it not only had an impact financially, but it also had an impact on the fact that several subscribers put a pause on their subscription. Uh, now, they always have subscribers putting pauses on right. their subscriptions, especially this time of year. But instead of it being like, I think they said 50,000. It was closer to 80,000. So the good news is that they are 
putting these out. They expect to have everybody's sent to them by the end of September if you met the deadline for that date. So you got to ask yourself the question, and I hesitate to even put this out there to make a situation worse, but does pausing your subscription get your seat post prioritized so you will unpause it? It does not sound like it. It does not sound like it because they fully expect that people are coming back, you know, as soon as they get it. So no, there's really no... And and they even said on the call that people, uh, most people, even though they put out a thing saying, stop using your bike, most people kept using their bike. Right. And so they they didn't feel that that was the issue. But, you know, the expenses are going to be heavier than what they originally expected because <laughs> there were 750,000 requests for replacement seat posts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, we kind of went back to the beginning. Also, um, if you go all the way back to Barry's original thing, he was like, we're going to focus on getting uh, positive free cash flow. We're going to uh, get rid of, you know, all of these lawsuits and we're going to get a whole bunch of subscribers. Basically, we're going to just focus on getting back to break even. And he he does not. Barry does not think that we are going to stay. Now, they did hit positive free cash flow in the most recent quarter, but he does not think we're going to stay there. So that's because we're getting ready to go into a lot of other things that are coming up. Like um, they talked about, I'm trying to think there was something that was like $10 million that they were like, oh, oh, they changed the way that, for example, the way that they like break down how software and and expenses related to what is it when you experiment with things uh development r&d oh, research like and research development. yeah mm-hmm. they changed the way they did that it had a 10 million dollar impact this quarter but gotcha. it won't all the other quarters right now on the good news uh they also said that cost of goods sold has has actually decreased quite a bit because uh, number one, the freight costs have gotten so much better, right? And their storage costs have come down dramatically because they don't have as much in storage. So uh, that is that is good. Also, About to get all them tread pluses out of storage. <laughs> yeah, they are. That is so true. I do want to say one note that I felt like really kind of just got glossed over. No follow ups whatsoever is. You know, Barry made it pretty clear that the expectation is there will be additional store closings. So uh, he didn't talk about how many. He didn't talk about what that looks like. He just said that will be ongoing to continue to work on lowering that footprint. So I think that that is going to continue. That was sad uh, to know that. But there have been, like I said, a lot of things that have happened. They have that whole new app strategy. I thought it was interesting that 900,000 people have downloaded the app since they've been pushing that. 600,000 had never used Peloton before. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's a big change. It is a big change. We also already talked about Peloton for business, but we know that that's going to be a thing. However, this this 600,000 people and 900,000 app downloads, that most of those people is that's like shifting towards Generation Z. Uh, Also, there's a lot more diverse diversity in this demographic that they're seeing. New users are more likely to be male. They are seeing this shift in 
downwards towards Gen Z, they're seeing more Black and Hispanic consumers. So that is good. Of course, we also saw that they are going to be doing those limited edition bike colors. He confirmed that today. No dates were made available. Uh, But as we said, that's going to be a thing. He talked about how um, all these partnerships are key. He also talked about that in the letter the shareholders letter, there are this kind of veiled reference to several initiatives coming that if they land them, keep in mind that the current earnings have none of the upside built into them because they haven't landed them yet. So that could things could be even better than they expected. Um, So that's all very exciting. And of course, the Tread Plus being back is super exciting as well. So Wall Street, of course, freaked the F out like they always do. Yeah. Uh, You know, the world is ending. The sky is falling. All of the crabby pants came out today like they always do. (laughs) They always do. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, oh, my God, Peloton's so bad. There's just so many. When I hear this stuff, like I don't hear as many women. I just hear all these men like just puffing up their chest and they're like, I know so much. You don't know anything. But yeah, you guys are also wrong about a lot of things. So I'm not (laughs) sure that's true. Yeah. Um, But who knows? All I know is uh, Peloton is, in my mind, this is a positive. There's like so many positives here. It's not even funny. Like they keep cleaning up all their lawsuits. They keep getting better and better music. They keep doing all of these positive things to bring in more people. And I don't really see the downside. I don't see it. I mean, yeah, I'd like the shares to be better. <laughs> Five, <laughs> it hit a new low today. Five dollars a Oof, share. Yikes. Uh, I haven't looked to see what it is lately. I've been a little busy. Yeah. But I think it's going to rebound. I don't think it'll stay down at that level. I think people are going to realize they overreacted like they always do. And you'll see it start going back up. Especially when it gets that low. People are like, oh, that's it's how good time you, to buy. How do you say no for that price? Yeah. For sure. And uh, coming up after this, we're going to talk about Peloton for Business, and this will be fun. We have an exclusive interview with Greg Heibel, the senior vice president and general manager of Peloton for Business. He'd been working there for about 45 minutes when we got our interview with him. And uh, we'll also be talking to Joanna Lee, VP of Global Marketing for Peloton and Emerging Businesses. So stick around. You're going to want to hear that. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? (laughs) Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each, so nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away 100 or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say, that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, And they also come in like a million different colors and styles for your $25 you're not sacrificing comfort safety or style if you want to support the show and pick up a pair gooder is giving the clip out listeners free shipping on their first order just go to gooder.com slash tco that's g-o-o-d-r.com and use code tco to get free shipping gooder offers a 30 day money back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. Peloton personnel. So last week, Peloton announced 
uh, Peloton for business, which signals them getting more aggressive in the commercial space. Yeah, this is really cool. I wasn't exactly sure what this meant or how how it differed from like pre-core. So I was really excited that we got the opportunity to talk to Greg and Joanna about all the things that they're doing. But let me just say that there are a whole lot of things that Peloton is offering, and it's almost like this a la carte thing that they can do now. Uh, so this is actually really cool, and I think it has a lot of potential to continue to grow Peloton in a whole bunch of near places. Plus, I got some ideas for how <laughs> they can leverage this for businesses. For sure. And we should say, if you're not a business owner, this still could help or benefit you because they talk a lot about how your employers could include this in their benefits package. So this could mean you don't have to pay for your Peloton membership anymore or you pay less. So, So you definitely want to stick around. So we are going to kick into that interview right now. So joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube is Greg Heibel, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Peloton for Business, and Joanna Lee, VP of Global Marketing for Peloton Emerging Businesses. Those are long titles. They are. <laughs> They're very long titles. So uh, very excited to have them on the show. So and I should also preface before we start, if it so- sounds weird on my end, one, it's because we have to use Zoom audio because <laughs> my computer isn't working because I'm at work, which also also means if you hear loud noise in the background, <laughs> that's just Kenny Loggins doing a sound check. I mean, we'll let Kenny inter- we'll him. let Kenny uh, go ahead and interrupt. That's okay. That's all right. Yes. We will we will pause for Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the danger zone. <laughs> I am Tom O'Keefe. So amazing. Thank yes. you both so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, I am so excited about this. So Greg, you are like brand new to Peloton. This is a new role, right? So just kind of before we get started, can both of you tell us a little bit just like how you kind of got into these roles? Joanna, how how does the, the structure between you two work? Just a little bit of background would be awesome. Sure. Well, I feel like I should defer to Joanna on that because she actually knows a few things about it. I'm, I'm lucky to be starting at Peloton today, you know, a few days before we launch this incredible uh, extension of our business, which which is a member of Peloton. I'm super excited about and super excited to be part of. But if you want the inside scoop, I think Joanna's the best one to kind of give you that. Greg's like, I don't even know where the break room is. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Like- yeah. <laughs> I know where the studio the is. <laughs> pointed into the snack. No. <laughs> So thrilled to have Greg on board. It's a, it's a role we've needed for a while, um, and we'll we'll tell you more about it um, as we go. But uh, I've been with Peloton for almost three years. Joined on the consumer brand side um, in the thick of the pandemic, so when things were were wild and crazy at Peloton, and people couldn't get their bikes fast enough. <laughs> And then uh, took on this role on the B2B side or the emerging business, I'm using air quotes um, for those listening, uh, emerging business side as we've emerged from the pandemic and folks want, our our members want access to their Peloton outside the home. So primarily what we do on the B2B side of our business is bring Peloton to commercial channels like hotels, big apartment buildings, campus gyms, YMCAs. Um, And then another part of today's announcement, which we'll get into, is Peloton as a benefit that employers can give to their employees. Which is all super, super exciting. Now, for anybody listening who doesn't know what like B2B means, can you just I know it's probably obvious from what you just said, but just a little tiny synopsis. 
Not at all. There's there's a lot of jargon in the B2B <laughs> world. You get B2B, B2C, B2B to C. Like they're all human. <laughs> we should probably maybe Peloton can pioneer mo- a new model, but uh, B2B stands for business to business. Okay. Okay. So for most of Peloton's lifetime, 10 plus years, we've sold directly to the consumer. And in recent years, and what we're talking about and, and launching today is selling to the business customer. Which is so exciting. I mean, you're absolutely right. People have been clamoring for years that that like, I want to, if I want to travel, I want to be able to get to my Peloton. If I work for a certain company, if I go to a gym, I want to be able to have access to my Peloton. And so what is different about what is launched today, which by the way, is called Peloton for business officially. Uh, what is different about that than like Peloton commercial or what you guys do through Precore? How does that work? Yeah, I'd say that the big differences that we're announcing today um, is really a formal launch of our brand for business. We're calling it Peloton for business. I'd say we've been incubating the last few years in commercial and what we call corporate wellness but really leaning on companies to navigate our org chart to find the solutions they need. Um, Instead of Peloton for Business has a fancy new website, it's one phone call and we can help you as a company, whether you want bikes in your gym or if you want benefits for your employees. So really presenting ourselves as Peloton for Business. And then the other shift, we've primarily been active in hospitality. We have a lot of bikes in hotels. I think you guys talked about the Hilton partnership that we did a few months ago. Absolutely. We're more actively working with segments like community wellness, which is YMCA, with universities to put bikes on campus for students to access. So today is really about a double down on, on a lot of the things we've been trying over the last few years. So it sounds like you're saying that previously, if a business wanted to interact with Peloton, they had to reach out to you and and kind of figure out the funnel where now you're going to be more aggressive about going out and, and fostering those relationships. Exactly. And I think to date, and sorry, Greg, I'm, I'm totally hogging the mic here. Uh, <laughs> to date, we've worked with, say, Cigna in one capacity on the benefits front, and then Hilton in one capacity on the commercial bikes front, but we've seen um, more and more corporate customers coming to us saying they want our benefit solution, they want to put bikes on site, and they want to give a discount to all employees. Like, how do we make it easier for them to, to work with us instead of uh, it being complex? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you have all these different inner workings. So if they wanted, if they say wanted to have discounts, they had to go through one work stream. And then if they wanted to have Peloton bikes, they had to go through a different one. And somebody, you you guys are able to bring that all together now so that you can offer almost like a la carte options to bring together a great solution. Exactly. And like to the person outside of our little world that is Peloton, you hear Peloton commercial and you're like, oh, is that the ad that ran in holiday? (laughs) (laughs) Like if you Google that, that's what you'll find. Like it was a lot of inside speak. So we really wanted to make it, you know, if you're a business customer, call us, we can help you out. That makes a lot of sense. I'm really curious. Uh, we looked over the the awesome press release that came out today, and I noticed that a lot of the the language and the descriptions you guys use had a lot to do with Peloton bikes. Do do we 
do you expect i love how i always see we like i'm part of peloton i guess in my head <laughs> well, I am. we have stock <laughs> that's true that's true thanks tom uh do do you expect that there's going to be other peloton products that might be joining the program at some point like the tread or the guide so joanne i think i can answer this one right which is the answer is yes Yay. yes to all the above um yeah i think you've seen seen Peloton evolve a bit recently. Bikes are super important to us, but we also recognize they just mean different things to different people. And we want to be all of that. And you know, between the different hardware products we have and the app and all the different modalities that you can engage through the app, pretty much anywhere you want to work out, it's it's about all of that. And while not all of that is fully available yet today, it, you know, you should expect that it will be. Um, this channel. Oh, very exciting. Oh, I'm really excited about that. Now, is there criteria for partnering with a company? Like, uh, I would assume there are, this is just in my head, you have certain things that need to happen. So like, is there certain sizes you're looking for, or maybe a cap of number of companies you want to work with? How does all that look? Yeah, on um, on the benefits side, so another part of today's announcement was a launch with a company called Sequoia, who is a professional employer organization, a PEO. A lot of acronyms in the healthcare and benefits world that I'm learning. And to date, we've only offered our benefit solution to really big companies, say with 5,000 or more employees, um, like Wayfair or Volvo or Cigna. Sequoia allows us to offer Peloton to small and medium-sized businesses. So we get a lot of companies that call us that might have 500 or less or 1,000 employees, and we just haven't had the bandwidth to bring them on. So we're excited to work with Sequoia to be able to do that. So if you're a Peloton member and you want your membership subsidized by your employer, <laughs> um, call your HR department. Um, so yeah, I think that'll, that'll um, give many more folks access. Peloton that we haven't been able to work with. Definitely. Yeah, I'll just double down on that. We would, we, we, first of all, I think we want to serve every business that has an interest uh, in offering a benefit to their employees or to their customers or both. And I know we have a very passionate group of Peloton members that are, that are listening or will be listening to this conversation. And my, my, our ask of you is be vocal. You know, we, we, we can make your work environment a lot more fun and engaging. Uh, we can help your employer make your work environment a lot more fun. Whether you're going to a hotel or a hotel, whatever it is, we want to be there and be there for you. So please uh, be vocal, not just with us, but uh, with with the with the uh, the businesses that you interact with. So does that mean if someone is already a Peloton member and their company signs on with a program like this, there are still benefits? It's not just at the entry point for new users. Correct. Oh. And and what do those look like? How does that function if you already kind of have them in your ecosystem? Yeah. Well, Typically, in the employer scenario, in most cases, it's it's some sort of either a subsidy or, a, or the employer providing access to uh, a Peloton membership, meaning the app and the content at no charge. So if you're an existing member and you get access to that benefit through your employer, then your employer would be covering either that whatever portion they decide to, to, to cover um, on your behalf. doesn't matter whether you're a new Peloton or an existing member. Oh, I got some phone calls to make. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. Um, employees also get discounts on Peloton hardware. And then my favorite part of our benefits program, the company runs challenges for employees. So at a company like Volvo, there might already be 1,200 Volvo employees that are on a leaderboard. They can race together 
and the company will, will organize um, more formal events for their Peloton member community within the employee base, which is fun. I I think I remember that we, I believe it was Cigna had like special badges and stuff for things that they had done uh, that that had come into our in front of us. And we were super excited about that. Also, uh, just kind of found it fascinating that it's like there's this whole other world of badges out there for people who try to collect them all that they may not even know exist. Uh, so that is that is fun and exciting to a person who is a collector. I really like that. Yeah, if you're trying to collect all the badges, freshen up your resume, you're going to have to go get a lot of jobs. <laughs> That's right. No, I think we need, we need like a LinkedIn integration. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be very cool. And a way to like display your badges in a little display case. I have ideas. I have ideas. Um, <laughs> what if, um, I did also notice in the press release that you guys talked about a retention rate of 93% year over year um, when you've used it as a corporate benefit as you've been working through this. Now, is that for individuals that are part of this benefit or is that like the company is coming back year over year? What is that or both? Yeah, it's the latter. It's we launched our, our corporate benefits business in 2021 and we've seen a, a 93% retention rate. So companies resigning with us after the, the first year. That's awesome. Um, they're sticking with us, which is great. Um, that industry can can see a lot of turnover. And we also wanted to make sure it wasn't just a post-pandemic hybrid. You know, they're looking for something to give to work from home employees. It's been pretty lasting, um, which is is has been great to see. I would Indeed. think say I think as sticky as Peloton can be, I would think if that's something that an employer tried to pull back, they're going to hear about it. Yeah, so we were just going to say the same thing, Tom. <laughs> renewal rate has to be a function of engagement. And so the way you should read a 93% renewal rate is employees are very engaged in the benefit and it's tough to tough to remove it, right? Because it's it's working so well. And then hopefully a company wouldn't want to remove it if it's working so well anyway. That makes sense. That makes sense. Is there any way to gauge, like obviously healthier employees would probably be financially less of a burden on the employer. Is there a way to suss out like that there are net savings in doing something like this? We've done informal surveying, or I, I shouldn't say informal, but more qualitative surveying mm -hmm. to date on employee satisfaction, employee perception of mental and physical well-being from using the Peloton benefit and have seen really positive responses. We do have in progress a few, I wouldn't say clinical because they are not, you know, at the level of physician certified, but we're trying to get more data driven on that tie between holistic well-being and employee performance. We hear about it anecdotally from our benefits leaders, which is awesome. But yeah, the more I think we can prove that as a business case, the better. Absolutely. What's cool about some of these relationships too, they started because that benefits decision maker at the company was a Peloton member and like saw the change in their own day-to-day, -day, their own performance, their own life and, and brought it to their leadership and said, like, this may help folks I work with. Yeah. Yeah. I would think this is probably a much easier sell than it would have been three or four or five years ago. You know, for sure. yeah, it, totally agree with that. it would be fascinating to see all of these different companies you guys are signing up for do like like a world championship competition where all the companies like team up against each other. Like Battle of the Network yes! Stars, but with cool? corporations. 
I love it. Isn't there, there's like a big four of accounting. There's the big banks. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun, especially if you had a charity, uh, add, you know, charity side to that. That would be really cool. And on that note, I, I think you've kind of given a couple of examples. But when you listed today all the different things you're going to be offering, you have unique corporate engagement experiences, um, bringing that computer together, uh, that type of thing. Do you have any specific examples that you're excited about that are going to be offered to these businesses that that people may not be aware of? You know, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm thinking because the other nuance in this space, there are employers that we work with that we can talk about very vocally. And then there are employers that we are under strict NDA. Um, they are great customers of ours, but we maintain confidentiality. So just being thoughtful before I speak. But um, one of the things I'm most excited about are the pilots we're launching with a few big YMCA locations. We've got one in San Antonio, one in Chicago. And for the first time, we're going to be bringing our bikes and the Peloton app to their space and see how it impacts member experience, um, customer acquisition for these Ys. If we look across all of our commercial segments, the YMCA was our segment of most use. So those bikes were getting ride after ride after ride. And it wasn't something they had taken up taken it upon themselves to, to buy bikes and put them in their facility. It wasn't one we were really going after. In the pandemic, the Wise really had to cut back on group fitness investment. So a lot of um, people working out are self-guided. And we think potentially the Peloton app could be a great solution on that strength floor or, or on a tread or on a bike. That, that I think will be fun to see how it works out. Yeah. I would, I would add one more thing that, that actually is pleasantly surprised me, which is obviously different businesses are returning to office or thinking about how their work environment is, you know, all virtual, hybrid from an office. And obviously those that are trying to encourage employees to come back to the office, you know, are trying to create a welcoming office environment that, that you know, fulfills their employees' needs. And, you know, not only are we finding we have some employers who are putting bikes in their own gyms, but we actually have a couple uh of businesses who've decided to actually expand further and if they're creating dedicated almost like think of it as like a meditation room for a peloton so where they're actually putting peloton hardware in a dedicated you know standalone room for somebody to go and work out uh, individually again in the spirit of creating an office environment that is uh welcoming folks to come back and giving them a reason to come back wow but we hope to see more of that too Absolutely. I love that because it can be like, I mean, when you're in an office and you go work out, that can be difficult because you might get a little sweaty. So, you know, you might feel like you need to freshen up before you're around your coworkers. Like that's, that's really awesome. They're able to do that. When you say that uh, you're encouraging like the YMCA people to, to also download the app, will that be just the straight Peloton app that everyone else uses? Or do you envision a scenario where there's some sort of like co-branded like YMCA, kind of like white label version of a Peloton app? Right now, it's the app that's available to everyone. Um, mm -hmm. I, I commend our product team who's launched a bunch of new um, programs and, and features within the app in the last few months, particularly the, the take to gym workouts that um, I don't know if you guys have, have gone in and played around with the, the like guided strength. Absolutely. Exercises. For somebody to take to a, a functional floor and do, you know, deadlifts, squats, bench press, guided by Peloton. So yeah, right now it's just it's it's just the regular version of our app. Potentially future states there might be more collaboration, but I think we want to see how see how current states working. 
yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, Greg and Joanna, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to answer some of our questions. This was a fascinating discussion. We normally let people say where to find them. I don't know if you want to be found, uh, <laughs> especially with some of our listeners. But uh, if nothing else, if you want to share your leaderboard names, this might be a, a good chance to throw that out there. Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn, Joanna Lee, L-E-E. You can also find me on the leaderboard at Jojo10011. I will caveat, I am nine months pregnant, so my recent activity <laughs> has been reflective of what I am able to do. Uh, but yes. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. And you can find me at LinkedIn, Greg.Hibble, H-Y-B-L. Uh, and Peloton leaderboard name is Piper Oak, P-I-P-E-R-O-A-K. And then you can, if your employer or if you're company that you're a customer of, uh, you want to encourage them to engage with us, uh, corporate wellness at onepeloton.com. Actually, did I get that right, Joanna? That's, I know that will work. Yes. Corporate wellness at, at onepeloton.com. Uh, and there's a, there's a way to engage us through that channel. Well, thank you both again. Congrats on the launch of the program. It's super exciting. And we really appreciate you sharing this with us and answering some of our burning questions. Thank you. Thanks for giving us the opportunity. Of course. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Instructors in the news. Kindle Tool has a meet and greet coming up for those of you who live in the London area. Yeah, she's going to be at the London store. Uh, it's going to be on Tuesday, August 29th. Now, uh, tickets are already gone. They were gone in about 30 seconds. <laughs> So never mind. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> you never know. You never know. I, I know when I'm in every time I'm in New York or I hear any stories about New York, people just like constantly hang around the studio. I don't that know why you do. couldn't do the same thing. Try to meet her. That is fair. Yeah. But don't be weird and stalker. No. You know, that's why they have to have security. Jeffrey McEachern will be teaching some classes in September from PSNY. He sure will, because don't forget, the London studio is closed uh, until uh, September 22nd. So, yeah. And and I will also say this leads to my idea that there are going to be all, all the instructors in one place in September. I'm okay. just saying. Speaking of Jeffrey McKirchin, him, he, whatever, that guy, and Susie Chan competed in a race I can't remember the name of. It was a half marathon. But the funny part was that they planned nothing like they just did this as a last minute half marathon because <laughs> because Jeffrey is uh, training for his marathon that's coming up. I think it's five weeks out. Right. Uh, and so while they were there, they were just like, oh, let's do this real quick. It was on the Isle of Wight, I believe. I hope Isle I'm saying right. I think I thought it. I thought there was no R in it. Oh, There's I an R there in it. I don't know. OK. Yeah, it's right there. Right below his name. See, Isle of Wight. Oh. I thought it was right. Okay. Um, Maybe there's two. I don't know. We're from know. America. But they had we a really good time and they said it was super hilly, uh, but they still had a great time. So I thought that was really cool. I love that our instructors actually like each other. It's yeah. so fun. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, F it. Let's do a half marathon. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Just no a bigs. couple hours for us. It's probably 15 minutes. These people <laughs> are so fast. Tobias Hines uh, came in second. And the Trans Rockies run. I have to explain. Second overall out of all of the people. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Not second in his age group. Right. Second 
overall, we have the most amazing instructors. (laughs) It is so cool. They are all so badass. So congratulations to Tobias. That's really, really cool. We talked about this earlier, but uh, Chelsea Jackson Roberts taught uh, yoga at Spelman College, which is her alma mater. Yeah, I thought this was really neat. And she seemed to really enjoy herself. And uh, it's I just love those full circle moments, you know? Oh, for sure. And that led. I mean, that's a prestigious school to have gone to. And then to get to go back and do something like that has to be a blast. Yeah, absolutely. So Selena Samuela this week announced that she is officially training for a marathon. Yeah, you might remember that a while back she had had announced before she had even had her baby that she was going to be participating in a half Ironman this, I believe it was in, I don't know, a couple months ago. And as the time got closer, she was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. It's not, it's not a good time for me. I'm not ready. I'm just now getting to the point where I can actually start training. And she said she had her eye on some other races. Now she is saying she is actually training for a marathon. It is out in the ether. She has been waiting to say something because she felt like she got out over her skis the first time and she did didn't want to do that again. I can't help but wonder if she is going to be running for the Chicago Marathon. Oh, that would make sense from a timing standpoint. But can you tell, like, has she been training for a while she, or she just started training? When she announced she was not doing the half Ironman, right. she was already training for that marathon. Okay, so it's not like she's like, oh, that's in a month. I'll give it the old college try. Correct. And it's in November. So I don't know that that's the one she's doing. I just know that that's going to be a big deal right and it would not shock me and the other here's the other little thing i'm just drawing conclusions Mm -hmm. and it is completely conjecture so do not hold me to this (laughs) but logan uh golfs they were doing stuff for the reeve foundation related to golf logan is running the chicago marathon raising money for the reeve foundation now selena is training for a marathon I'm just saying it makes sense. It does. The pieces fit. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But that's my thought. If you would like to meet Ben Aldis, there's a contest going on to support his new book, Raise the Bar, where you can enter uh, to win a stay at the Pig Hotel which apparently is something you would want to do. It sounds terrible. It but, sounds awful. But I'm sure since it's a prize, it's awesome. One would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's like they used to have that commercial for Smucker's Jelly a million years ago where they were like, with a name like Schmuckers, <laughs> it's got to be good. And so maybe it's like that with the Pig Hotel. Maybe. But it's like we called it Pig Hotel. It has to be amazing because... We've really lowered the expectations, but you can win a stay at the Pig Hotel, uh, two spots in a studio class and a meet and greet with Ben. That's really cool. Yeah. I also have to say, you won't forget the Pig Hotel. No, there will be none of the uh, arriving at the landing at the airport. And then what hotel are we going to? What hotel are we? Was it a Sheraton or a Hilton? No, it was a pig. Was it it a double tree or no? Oh, that's right. It was a pig hotel. Yeah. Like, you know, it's really brilliant because we're talking about it. We are. And we will never forget the name of this. We will not. In fact, if we ever get to go to London, we might have to just like drive by to see what a pig hotel is. Yeah, we might just just check it out. I wonder if, like, does that mean you can get bacon from room service <laughs> or you absolutely cannot? I don't know, but I need to know. I need service. to know. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and coming up after this, we're going to talk about a new artist series featuring a big time producer. And we've got 
the all for one lineup and Fiesta Latina. So stick around. Peloton Artist Collaboration. We have a new artist series, or I guess I should say producer series. Yeah, this is the second producer series. Spotlighting Max Martin. So I didn't really know Max Martin's name, but I should have because he has done iconic songs by Taylor Swift, Backstreet Boys, The Weeknd, Britney Spears, and more. Also, he has class. Uh, his songs are featured in and Juliet, the Broadway class okay. or Broadway series. You know what I mean. Well, also the Broadway class, yeah. but but yes, the Broadway <laughs> show. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it stands a reason you wouldn't have heard, heard of him just because it's like Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, like people don't tend to hang up posters of the producer of those records. No, but but, uh, but damn, I bet Max Martin is one rich man. I bet he is. Mm-hmm. And it's in it is definitely a special skill set to make songs sound like that. That it is. That it is. New content. So the all for one lineup has been announced. Sure has. Before I get into the lineup, I just want to say that you can start booking classes on Tuesday. So for September 7th through 9th, okay. you can go online on 829. Did they tell me a time? No. No. I'm going to assume it's noon Eastern, but do not hold me to that. <laughs> I'm not responsible for you not getting into AFO. FYI. Yes. Okay. 32 artists. I know some of these people. The ones that I recognize, right. I'm going to stick to those. Uh, the Black Keys, Chris Stapleton, The Eagles, Hozier, Holzer, however you say it, Katy Perry, LL Cool J, Gorillaz, uh, which needs a Z in there. That's my bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> whoopsies. Uh, Marin Morris. Uh, Which should not have a Z in there. So <laughs> maybe she stole it from the gorilla. She could have. Yeah. Uh, 30 Seconds to Mars, Shaka Khan. I know Dave Matthews Band, but they suck. Uh, <laughs> Ellie Goulding. Uh, and then uh, Machine Gun Kelly, Salt and Peppa, Skrillex, and ZZ Top. Those are the ones I know. Yeah. The ones I don't know, Armin Van Buren. I believe the eighth president of the United States. Dave just Dave. Just Dave. Just Dave. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Miguel. O- open the pod bay doors, Dave. Miguel. Okay. Raul Alejandro. Rama. Sampha. Betty who? City Girls. FKJ. Kaluchis. The Kid Leroy. LPGOB. Metro Boomin. <laughs> Pusha T. Yeah. I don't know any of those. Yeah. So uh, I feel a million years old. But but in all seriousness, there's a good variety here. For sure. Everyone who has commented on this has complained. (laughs) Every single person. Because I I think that there is so much variety with this that you can't please anyone. Right? Right. I personally liked it. I mean. I think it's a good mixture of like well-established artists, classic rock, country. Like there's a good mixture. I don't like. Well, also, I think that they wanted to have German German artists and yeah. they wanted to have UK yeah, that's artists. Probably some of the and stuff we don't know. I, I think I, yeah. I know it is because I asked Brian, our, the 19 year old right. that just went to college. I said, is this Dave? Does Is that a like a typo? Because it's right next to Dave Matthews. <laughs> right. So like, did they just accidentally type it twice? And he was like, no, that is that is a rapper from the UK. 
Oh. Okay. All right. What a, in today's age, what a dumb name to go with just because it's like, how do you Google that? You Google Dave. I don't know. Like, maybe it's brilliant because, uh, again, just like the pig hotel, we're talking about it. Fair enough. I don't know. I'm not a marketing person. Up next, the Dave Hotel. <laughs> and in the in the bar, you can see live music from Pig. There you go. Which actually, I think is a band. So, <laughs> it probably yeah. is. I think that was, I think that was, uh, Rob Halford had a band called Pig. Well, either way, you can go in and build your own festival by watching for when the classes are or taking them on demand. You could do it live or on demand. And uh, you can then put together your own festival. So if you like the Black Keys and Chris Stapleton, that would be me. Throw a little <laughs> Eagles in there, maybe a little Katy Perry. Yeah. That would be my stack. I'll tell you who's not in my stack. Freaking Dave Matthews Band. Get out of here. <laughs> Crash into my nuts. There you go. He sucks. <laughs> it's a good thing music is subjective, right? Correct. So Peloton has a new rep goal challenge. This is a big deal. Okay. This is a big deal because it is the first challenge we have seen with the guide. Oh, okay. Uh, so you have a range of reps that you have to hit in the month of September, starting September 1st. Uh, and, you know, the same thing as all the other ones, you have to hit a bronze, a certain number to hit bronze, right. a certain number to get uh, silver, etc. Okay, so there's been some confusion. I just want to clear this up. You can see this challenge on the app. You can see this challenge on the web. However, you can only participate in this challenge if you have a guide. Some people pointed out to me that I was not thinking clearly because... Uh, duh, you're going to have to have a way to complete count the reps. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. yeah. So uh, hopefully the guy's gotten better at counting your reps. <laughs> I mean, I've never had any problem with yeah. it. So I don't use it that often. <laughs> I don't know that I'm a good member of that group. Yeah. I just think it's cool that we're seeing new stuff like this continuously. Absolutely. For sure. They keep bringing out new features. They announced this week that they will have new Fiesta Latina content. Yes. Uh, so Camilla Ramon and Rad Lopez are both going to be teaching classes on August 19th and August 20th, all celebrating Fiesta Latina. Now, if any of you out there understand why we are doing this in September or the end of August, rather, I'm sorry, August. Please let me know, because when I Googled, because I don't know anything about Fiesta Latina, it all appeared to be in October. So if anybody can explain that to me, I would appreciate it. I don't know if maybe you just use these words or this music. Right. I don't know. Like, I, I, And I'm asking seriously. I would love to understand right. like, it. You're not, not against it. No, you're just not like, at but all. This isn't when this uh, uh, is taking place. So why are they doing it? According to the Googles. Right. Like maybe I just don't know the right thing to Google. That could be. I don't know. But I would just like some education on it because I don't know much about it. So anyway, uh, there's going to be great classes and great music. So either way, it's going to be fun. A fiesta, you might say. Speaking of fun music, DJ John Michael is looking to try and get some UK live DJ rides. I think DJ John Michael just wants a free trip to London. <laughs> well, he gets to go to London pretty often, actually. <laughs> uh, I see him in London all the time. But here's the thing. People were asking him in one of those Ask Me Anything sessions. They uh -huh. were like, when are we going to get live DJ classes for the UK members, UK teachers? And he was like, ask for them. Because he pointed out, just like I say all the time, right? 
uh, that that Peloton listens to the members and the data. So if you want to see these classes, please go to the suggestion box that they have or put it over on the OPP. Good luck to you. And um, <laughs> and then try to get Peloton, like aggregate the want for this, because right. that is how you are going to get these classes. So I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, he was like, go ask for it. Good call. In case you missed it. So every week we put out the call for people to tell us their favorite classes. And then we aggregate that and we give you the TCO weekly top five. So here you go. Okay. So favorite Peloton walk run. It was a 30 minute from 626 with Logan Aldridge. It was a walk plus run, like I said. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Teresa Ross found an extra dose of inspiration because he honored the 19th anniversary of losing his arm. And uh, he said he told the story of it. Right. And he said why he uses It's Just an Arm. And he also played music from that era in his life. I thought that was really cool. Totally. Favorite Peloton Yoga. It is a classical slow flow with mariana fernandez from 816 of this year it was a 20 minute uh now jenny lecting she highlighted this one because she said it was a true delight it stretched everything out and mariana is such a positive light i think since she's a runner when she does a slower pace flow it hits all of my tight hip issues i get that that makes a lot of sense uh then favorite peloton ride this was the dance music ride with eric yeager from 818 Everyone has been talking about this class. Like, apparently, it was just the best. Uh, Everyone has said how fun it was. He was writing in English. It was an energetic studio full of people, including Adrian and Katie. And, of course, it was live from the the Peloton Studios New York. So, uh, I guess he was... uh, talking he was hysterical talking about sexy stories and adrian and katie in there and it was so much fun he was silly and it was great music choices to sing to and then chelsea schroeder said i enjoyed this one i love listening to his voice and fun interaction with the studio favorite core strength this one was from rebecca kennedy on 818 10 minutes and uh, selena shocken said she plays one 10 minute taylor swift song and it's all about the pelvic floor fantastic (laughs) yeah that sounds great now Two are unstackable. Next up, 818, it, it was from a 45-minute Hit in Hills ride with Jen Sherman. This everyone talked about unstackable. Steph Abbott said, Jen Sherman's 45-minute Hit in Hills class. Steph said that she thought she was going to stack a 15-minute low impact, then a 10-minute arms and lights weights. But when she was done with this 45-minute class, she ended up doing a 15-minute floor stretch. <laughs> She is hilarious with the F-bombs, loves her. So, Can I reveal something ab- about myself? Of right course. Here? I mean, so, it's a vulnerable, safe space So, for me. When we scroll through these articles, we, we see the things that people say written out, right? Until we started doing that, I've never seen them written out. So we've been doing the show for... Six and a half years now. You didn't know hit was like that, did you? I thought all this time they've been you've been saying hidden hills. <laughs> I, I had no idea what it meant, but I'm just like, whatever, man. <laughs> I thought they were like maybe sneaking up on you. Like, surprise, there's a hill now. Hidden hills. Hit and hills. Change the resistance. There's a hill. 
surprise, we didn't tell you. Okay. So thank now, you for that vulnerability. Now I know that it's hit and hills. Apparently I don't enunciate. Well, hit. I mean, I've heard other hills. people say it too. I just always thought it was it was hidden hills. So. It makes sense. The brain like will take things that don't make sense and yeah. make them make sense. So that makes sense that it didn't make sense and you called it hidden. Yeah. So now I know. Learn something new every day. I certainly do. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Peloton birthdays. So we should start with the birthday we missed from last week. I was so focused on your birthday. Thank you, Tom. On 820. This birthday was also on 820, and it's Charlotte Weidenbach. It was her birthday. So happy birthday, Charlotte. Our apology, but you are now in our Peloton birthdays Google calendar. And uh, we, we will never forget again. Correct. For even, the rest of time. Even if you leave, we'll still talk about you. We will. Because that's how we roll. It is. And then uh, coming up on August 26th, Mariana Fernandez. I love her. And, Happy birthday. And on August 31st, Kristen McGee. Happy birthday, Kristen. Kristen, not Kirsten. Kristen. <laughs> I'm going to get some sleep tonight, guys. We need it. Mm hmm. And coming up next, we're going to talk to Lori Lown from Team Wilpers. She's going to tell us all about bike fitting and how she fell into it. So stick around. She's got an amazing story. She does. Checking in with the Peloton community. Joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube is Lori Lee Lown. But we're just going to call her Lori. Hi. Hi, happy to be here today. You have, you We're happy a, to have you here. You have a fun name to say. Yeah, Lori Lee Lown. <laughs> yeah. You can thank my dad for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lori, we have a lot to talk about, but how did you first get into sports originally? I didn't. I was a complete non-athlete. I was not gifted at throwing or catching balls or doing anything else. And I was a tomboy. I rode bikes and ran around, but I was not into sport at all. I was a scholar and a musician. And every time I tried to play a sport, because everyone else played sports, I wasn't played. I was on a softball team and they never let me play. They were the championship team. And I, like I said, can't catch or throw a ball. And the next year, the same thing happened. And so in my mind, I just decided that wasn't for me. I wasn't an athlete. And we have, we have similar childhoods, <laughs> except for the tomboy right? part. I wasn't. Okay. I guess I was you Tom and a boy, a but I was not a tomboy. <laughs> he once struck out at right. T-ball. Well, so. yes. <laughs> True story. I grew up in a small town in the country and we played. I yeah. mean, that's what we did. And we played until the streetlights came on and you built forts. And I always did a lot of things with my hands, which is interesting. I was having a conversation recently about what I do in my job and I do use my hands and I guess that was trained at a very young age. But in general, I didn't participate in sports. I ran one year of track in high school because I thought I had to to put it on a college application. And I think it took me about a month to be able to run a mile. I was asthmatic as well. Again, was I know, <laughs> but I had to do something. It was that or cheerleading. I needed something besides music and drama on my college applications. And cheerleading was expensive. You had to buy shoes and pom-poms and jackets and all these things. Running, you bought a pair of running shoes. And so I tried. I'm pretty tall. I'm about 5'10". And so I ran one season, did sprints. And in the spring, our state champion high jumper, long jumper had retired. She graduated high school and they're like, well, you can be the jumper. And now when I think about that, that I would 
throw myself up into the air and over a bar and onto the, it was terrifying. I can't believe I ever did that. But anyways, that was my athletic career until I guess my late twenties. So I exercised as a way to maintain weight, I guess. I, that's why we exercised in our twenties, right? You're right. going on vacation and you want to look whatever way. Yeah. And in my late twenties, I joined a ski club because it was a singles club and I had no intention really of skiing, but everybody said, Oh, if you want to meet men, you're going to join this club called Ski Hawks in Syracuse, New York. Okay. And they had a really cool learn to ski program. It was, I think like 60 bucks for 10 weeks of lessons and your ski rental and everything. And I did those 10 weeks and that was it. And I was done, but I met a man. So that was so a you got goal your, achieved. You got, you got your $60 worth. <laughs> I think I got my $60 yeah. worth and then some, right? So <laughs> what I realized was if I wanted to spend time with said man, I had to actually really learn to ski. And so I took race school and started going on long trips and spending more time on the slopes and found out I was actually pretty good at it. And so that was the first time in my life that I had a sport that I was pretty good at, that I understood and that just felt natural. And through the ski club, I started skating and line skating was really, this was back in the I guess it would have been the eighties and the nineties inline skating was new. And we, in the summer, the ski club would skate. And so I was a pretty good skater. I was actually better than said boyfriend. <laughs> and then also played volleyball, but the volleyball, again, can't throw, can't catch, can't hit. When you was found out of diving into sand, when you found out a skill set, you should have been like, I think maybe you should give me the $60. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, what I know now is when we look at sports, there are two varieties of sport, those that have balls and those that don't, right? So ball sports, balance sports. If you can do one balance sport, I think you can do any other balance sport, right? So if you can ski, you can skate, you can yeah. ride a horse, you can dance, you can cycle. And the, there's a way to tie that all together, right? So yeah, I did have yeah. a bike. I will say I bought a bike in my early 20s. I was a smoker and I bought... A mountain bike. It was a specialized hard rock. The very first mountain bike made in production. Oh, wow. And at the time we didn't really, we rode them on the road mm -hmm. and I was terrified of it. So I didn't really ride. I, and then I, I moved to California. And I guess that's where my sport life really began. I brought that bike with me, even though I didn't ride it. And <laughs> I got here and everybody was, well, they're beautiful and they're healthy and they're fit and they recreate and they're rich. I was like, I'm going to be just like them. And I got fit. <laughs> I started riding that bike and I continued to skate out here as well, but it wasn't as convenient out here. I'm in the San Jose area. And oh. it's a pretty large metropolitan area. There's not a lot of opportunity. At least at that point, there wasn't to skate. And so I started riding a bit. And long story short, I signed up for an event called the California AIDS Ride, which is a seven-day ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And wow. it seemed yeah, like this big, hairy goal. Yeah. Because my first ride, I think, was about 11 miles. And I think I took a six-hour nap after I was done. It was flat. And that, and that track one, like, like San Francisco to Los Angeles, that's about 11 miles, right? <laughs> I'm not good with the 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Seriously, my first ride, I had to go over one highway overpass, and it was all on a bike path, and it was all flat, except that one overpass, which I couldn't ride. I had to walk it. And I literally went home, and I took a nap for about six hours. I was like, this is not for me. Everything hurt, and I hurt for days. And the saddle hurt and my legs hurt and my hands hurt. And I was like, no, cycling is not for me. And I was dating someone again. There's always men in these stories, I, yeah. um, <laughs> which is interesting given where my career evolved. It but, is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I was dating a man. He happened to be a Mormon. So he didn't do like fun things. He did like healthy things. And that included things like going to the gym and which terrified me. I didn't, I'd never been in a gym and I was scared of weights i was scared of the people and it smelled funny and yeah and All we true. played tennis yeah. which again ball sports yeah but cute clothes i liked the cute clothes for tennis yeah. and riding bikes so we started riding and i remember i owned a pair of really shiny canadell cycling shorts and i didn't feel like i deserved to wear a cycling jersey and there weren't any they were all men's anyways they were big and baggy and blue everything is blue <laughs> of course and this is in the 90s right and we had helmets with nylon covers over them and i wear a sports bra and my shiny cannondale shorts and eventually fall happened and it was cold and i couldn't wear a sports bra so i'd wear a t-shirt and that doesn't work very well because no. you get sweaty and cold so i've bought a jersey a big big <laughs> men's jersey <laughs> Fast forward nine months and I completed the AIDS ride and I fell in love. I realized after about four months of riding, I actually went out and rode a century ride. So a hundred miles back and forth and back and forth on a bike path because I was afraid to ride on the road. And then eventually I started participating in training rides and climbing hills and completed the ride and it changed my life in amazing ways. And I didn't change careers right away. I continued to work at that time. I was working for Charles Schwab and in 2001, we all got laid off. Everybody in Silicon Valley, I think, got laid off. And I thought, how can I get paid to ride my bike? This would be a really cool career because it made everything in my life better. And that's what I think drives me is the fact that if you can do something and succeed at it, whatever that is, it makes you a better person. You're happier. You're a better spouse, a better employer, a better employee, a better friend. Yeah, so, for sure. I, but that's a hell of a pivot going yeah. from the financial sector to, to something like that. Absolutely. And, well, and, my first career was actually in theater. I managed theaters for 14 years. So and you then were I came already out in here. the mindset of, I'm not going to make a lot of money. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the irony. So I have a degree in theater management. I was a musician, but I ended up with a theater management degree. And I managed theaters mostly on the East Coast for 14 years. And then I came out here. And then I left that theater because it wasn't making me happy. And I had just gotten my MBA and I thought, I'm going to get rich just like everyone out here. And I'm going to go work for a startup and it's going to be great. And four months in, I got laid off and I'd never been unemployed working in theater of all things. I didn't make a lot of money, but I was never unemployed. So then I was gun shy and I ended up at Charles Schwab for a couple of years and got laid off again. Oh my gosh. I, I, um, at that point I had been captain of the cycling team at Schwab And we had a hundred person team that did the AIDS ride and raised a million dollars every year. It was just a phenomenal place to work. And I was sure that I would retire there. I was a very loyal person, right? East Coast mentality of employment for life. 
And I was like, this is my company. They're diverse. They're creative. I was paid very well, which was great for the first time in my life. (laughs) And so Y2K happened and everybody had overhired and Y2K was a non-issue and everybody laid off. And there I was trying to figure out what to do with my life at 30 something. So, And you decided... And no one was hiring. That was the other... (laughs) Yeah, especially there. I couldn't get an interview. The way the job market is out here, six months prior, I was getting calls from headhunters every day saying, hey, we want you to come work here or here or here. And now it was like crickets. You couldn't get an interview. So I hung out and rode bikes for the summer (laughs) thinking, I've got this nice beverage package. I don't need to find a job quite yet. And then I couldn't find a job. And I found this program. I had education through my severance. I found a program at a local community college in personal fitness training, brand new program. And it's half an associate's degree. So it's 30 credits. And it really covered exercise, everything. And I thought, well, that's cool. Exercise changed my life. Maybe I can change other people's lives. But I didn't think I really wanted to be a trainer. That wasn't my, the gym scene wasn't my thing. So I did that program, worked in adaptive fitness for a while. So fitness for folks with disabilities. That's awesome. And uh, it was fun. So this was the hard thing about that. I wanted to fix everything. Oh, right. I was a manager. That's what I did. (laughs) The world can't can't change what you want to change. Yeah. So when you're working with an audience of folks who are disabled, you probably can't change their disability. You can improve their life. And I think I was young enough that I didn't really understand that. And I found it very frustrating because I couldn't fix it. I could not fix people. So anyways, so I did that for a while. I worked as a trainer. I worked as a spin instructor for many, many years, never thinking you could become famous as a spin instructor. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Right? I always compare it to chefs, right? Like all of a sudden chefs were celebrities and I'm just like, where did that come from? How, right. Why? Yeah. Who cares about a yeah. chef? Yeah. You know, no offense chefs, but I don't care small. about you. Yeah. How did you decide, well, a cycling coach is like, or did you just happen into it? No, I decided. So about halfway through that program, I had decided that I, for, for one thing, I can't count reps. That's probably what it comes down to. <laughs> I lose count when I'm working out. And the thought of me having to count reps for somebody else in the gym, I was like, no, this is not my thing. There weren't a lot of cycling coaches at the time. There's a national certifying board. They are the sanctioning board for racing in the United States called USA Cycling. And at the time I became a coach in 2001, there were about 290 coaches in the entire country. And of those, 19 were women. That included me. Wow. <laughs> I was the only one who was not a pro racer. So I was just this girl who rode bikes and was stoked on riding bikes. And I decided to become a coach. And even my own coach at the time, he's like, who's going to ride with you? How are you going to start a racing team? He wasn't my coach for long. <laughs> but I decided that I loved cycling. And again, it was the first thing I was good at. And I was pretty darn good at it. And so I decided I would start my own club. I built my own website. I wish I still had the list of URLs I was trying to find. Eventually settled on Bello Girls, which has lasted for 22 years, which is great. The name has a little bit of controversy from time to time. Because you know, the older women 20 years ago were like, oh, yeah, you can't use girls because we're feminists. And they would call the secretarial pool girls. And we uh, fought really hard. Oh, uh, uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Bello middle-aged women does not have right. that same ring. And now, obviously, in a world where gender is very fluid, having a group which is obviously gender-based 
is a little different and challenging. And so we try to be very inclusive and anyone who wants to be part of our organization can be, but we really focus on what I feel is an underserved audience in the bicycling world, which is women. I would agree. I mean, now we live in Missouri and there's a lot of nice people in the cycling world. But also, if you're outside of the cycling world, it can be very hard to break into. It's very intimidating. And to me, mm-hmm. kind of similar to what you were talking about, about going to a gym. Yeah. And so I personally like the idea of a women's group because I feel like it's less mm-hmm. intimidating. I mean, there's no hopefully there's no mansplaining because yeah. there's no men telling you what to do. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of that. <laughs> so I built it as a teaching organization. I really. And so. Full disclosure, my MBA is in gender relations. So I spent a lot of time studying the differences between men and women and how we communicate differently and how we approach sport differently and how we approach community differently. And so when I was riding, and I hadn't ridden with women, I only rode with men because I was pretty fast. And so I rode with the men. But I would see these big groups of guys out on the road and one woman trying to hold up, working really hard. And I was like, I know there's women out there. And I'd done an event here in California called the Cinderella Classic, which is the oldest women's event in the country. And there were thousands of women. I'm like, where are they? We've got to find them. They need to be riding together (laughs) because there is a gender difference in endurance sports. And I wanted to create an organization that was inclusive and educational and we could challenge each other, but in a way that's different than the way men challenge each other, which is kind of jabbing at each other i wanted douchey. something that you was can more say, supportive I, you don't have to be nice because i'm not <laughs> douchey <laughs> <laughs> yes that's a good one <laughs> no but like even my own coach i remember taking an ftp test years ago on a company trainer with my coach the same one who told me who would ever race for me and he's like come on Lori, you can do better than that and i shut right down i was like that's how we're different that's yeah. not how you encourage a woman. Tell yeah. her she's doing great, even if she's not. There's a lot of guys <laughs> but, that doesn't work yeah. for either. Tom's one of them. I'm one of them. Like, yeah. I, like I hate sports to this day. Yeah. It's because every coach I had when I was nine yeah. was like, come on, and then insert homophobic slur here. I was just like, this is dumb. I don't like anything about this. Yeah. And, and now I get yelled at for not liking it. Like, that doesn't make me like it more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to please you. I just want right. you to get hit by a truck. <laughs> hey, as a person who's been hit by a car, Sorry. I take offense. Well, I didn't want you to get hit I by know. a car. <laughs> I wasn't behind it. <laughs> I know. I know. Anyway, so I decided to start this women's organization. And I had no idea, right? I wanted an opportunity to coach. When I went through my coaching education with USA Cycling, it was at a very transitional point. So the structure of clubs and racing teams in the United States was such that you had to go through this process of education before you could race. And that changed. So nowadays, you just buy your license and you pin on your number and you go out and race. And bike racing is a dangerous sport. Yeah, It's a mass start sport. And the safety of every person in your field is dependent on the skill set of the least skilled rider. So it's not a sport that you do casually. It's also not a sport you do infrequently. When you race bikes, you race six times a month. It's not like, oh, I pick this one triathlon in the spring and this one triathlon in the fall and do that or running races. It is training when you're racing. And so Anyways, from nuts to bolts, I built a website back in the days when we still coded in HTML and I built this huge website too. It was like I gave birth to a 17-year-old. I decided (laughs) that everything had to be like finished before I was begun. (laughs) 
which is, I've been that way my whole life too. So that's so one of my perfectionist strengths, type A. I guess, yeah. I'm, yes. I'm familiar. I know how that and is. <laughs> there was no social media. There was no way to tell people. And so I posted on Craigslist, which was relatively new at the time. And we put flyers in bike shops and went to that event, that women's events and handed out lollipops with stickers on them with the URL and we wrote them on our leg and just kind of guerrilla marketing. And our first ride, we had 46 women show up, which was crazy and started small though. We did two rides a month and then grew from there. And eventually we have about 4,000 members at this point. Wow. 22 years later. So 21 years later, I guess it is. That's cool. And we've gone through a lot of iterations. We've had an amateur racing team, a development team, a pro team for one year. But mostly, I would say our bread and butter is getting women on bikes to start and teaching them, right? So we teach skills clinics and bike maintenance and have a number of progressive series that we do each year that will help women prepare for an event like a century or a metric century. So Those maintenance things especially are really important because I have a road bike, but I'm terrified to go out there mm-hmm. right now, especially. I was doing okay before that. But like I never got the hang of like the whole like changing a tire. I never had to do it. So I just kind of mm-hmm. hoped that never happens because I'm yeah. just somebody's going to come pick me up. It's a big <laughs> barrier both for women and also for male riders. I can't do a it. A lot of people who. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the nice thing is we do have opportunities to use things like Lyft and Uber to get home if we need to. AAA and Better World Club both offer AAA type support for bicycles. Oh, I love at least that. here on the West Coast. Which I didn't is nice. know that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Better World Club came out a long time ago. And AAA, I don't know if it's nationwide, but they offer bike coverage, Oregon, Washington, California, definitely. I didn't have a cell phone when I started riding yeah. a bike. I didn't have a GPS based computer. We would drive routes, or I had really expensive topo software. I would draw these routes. I was afraid of getting lost. That was one of the things I was afraid of when I started riding again. For sure. And afraid of being harmed, being out there on my own. Oftentimes, people, I was talking to someone about bike touring the other day, and they said, Do you carry a gun? And I'm like, No. <laughs> I don't. I never have. But why? And they're like, well, aren't you afraid someone's going to harm you? And I'm like, they have to catch me. They have to find me. I can go somewhere that a car can. But... Yeah. I I but get it that true. it can happen male or female. It can happen to any gender that mm-hmm. you get attacked, you know, for some stupid reason. But I think that like if you're not a person who knows how to defend yourself, like that is a scary, vulnerable thing to be out there. And that's another reason I don't feel comfortable. I like to be in spots yeah. where I know where everything is, because if I have to go somewhere unfamiliar, yeah. it's terrifying. I don't like yeah. that. I was just going to ask. I know that you also do bike fittings, and I'm really curious, like how mm-hmm. that came into all of these things that you're doing because it sounds like you already are so busy I don't at this point when you're talking about I'm like how is there more time <laughs> well right now I'm very single so that's part of it bike fitting so when I started coaching back in 2001 coaches kind of did everything you have this whole when you use the term coach what does that mean well I might write training programs that was part of what I did for a long time I teach skills clinics. I teach people basically how not to fall down, how to go downhill fast and how to corner and how to race and all of that. Bellow Girls was a vehicle to create a coaching organization, basically, which eventually I segued into another brand idea as well. So I own two businesses. But bike fitting, bike fitting was not really a thing 20 years ago. It was something that racers did here in Northern California in the Bay Area. There were only three bike fitters in the entire Bay Area. All three of them were men. And 
I was somebody, I have a lot of orthopedic issues and I was never super comfortable on a bike. I just endured it because I thought that's what you did. And then once I learned that there was this thing called bike fit and they could make you feel better when you're on your bike, I was like, sign me up. I need to learn everything I can. And so I took a week long class at USA Cycling in Colorado Springs. That was my first bit of education, bike fit and biomechanics and injury prevention. Then I just started fitting. And it's an interesting unregulated industry in that you can just hang your shingle out and take people's money and fit them. Right? And I'm sure yeah. I was a terrible fitter like most people in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I do find that but interesting. Bikes were very different then too. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. They right? didn't even have like women's bikes that race back then, did they? Like specific for women. No. Right. It's like totally yeah. really Women's new. bikes were introduced around 2005, 2006. So, had yeah, my first bike, when I look at the little tassels. <laughs> she had a little horn. No, but yeah. when I look at my first bike and photos of me on that first bike, and I mean, I was stretched out like Superman. It was way too long for me because most women, especially women of European descent, have shorter torsos. But how would we size a bike when you go to a bike store? You just stand over it. And if you have an inch of clearance, that's your size. And I was like, okay, where's the science in that? <laughs> if I was a man, that was great because the bikes were built for men. But as a woman with really long legs, really long femur, I couldn't reach the front of the bike, basically. And so I was on a handlebar that was 44 centimeters wide. I mean, it's wider, way wider than me. And now I ride a 36, which is super right, yeah. proportionate to my shoulder width. There were no women's saddles. I remember the very first women's saddle came out. It was called the Terry Butterfly. It had a cutout, which was a really nice thing because it gave you some pressure relief. But it was so wide. And I thought, I will never have sex again. <laughs> Can I say sex? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. I will never have intercourse again if I ride this saddle because it was incredibly uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, well, it was a good try. It was also a hundred bucks, which at the time was a huge investment for a saddle. Yeah. Right? What is These a days, you for could spend five. The uninitiated. Like a, the cutout is a hole in a saddle. Oh, we're going to get oh, you got visuals yeah. so for the people. Oh, do I have one here? I may on not YouTube. have one, but I have a saddle with a channel. So I have a Peloton saddle. Ah. So this would be considered a channel to take relief, a pressure off the soft tissue. Okay. So it's one way um, to say it. Or yeah. your hoo-ha. The vascular system, the nervous yeah. system. Your hoo-ha. Your, the goods. Um, we could be anatomically correct and say your perineum and that's, your labia. And that's I can much say nicer. those words. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an adult. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Your soft tissue. Okay. Um, a cutout would be this goes all the way through. So it's just like um, a hole. And there are lots oh, of there's like, like there's not a, a hole. There's not like a divot. It's just you can gone. see daylight through it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And what's yeah. the advantage of that? I, I don't know. Like I what's well, like she said, it's just putting pressure on it. Because if you're putting pressure on it, that it can improve so the cutout's life. not enough. Look, the divot's not enough. <laughs> Do you want the whole thing? I, like, I'm not trying to be funny. Like, I, I know, know you're not. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. there are probably a thousand different saddles on the market, and they come in different widths, different because different so do we. sizes, right? But most people, when they first start riding, myself included, they want like the biggest, squishiest, softest saddle in the world with a sheepskin cover and springs and, yeah. you know, all the things that we know aren't good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like actually so the opposite most, of what you want, right? Exactly. I want something firm and stable and relatively narrow and a cutout. I like a cutout. Yeah. I like taking the pressure off the soft tissue. Sure. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think that works for most people. It has been pretty widely publicized about issues with men riding an ED related to cycling and bad bike fit and bad saddles. We don't talk about it as much about women, but it is an issue as well. 
So we can end up with permanent nerve damage. So we want to make sure that our bike fit is good and our saddle works for us. It shouldn't hurt to ride a bike. It shouldn't, like I said, it shouldn't affect your social life. Any contact point where I feel burning or numbness or tingling, those are things I need to fix. So I'm, I'm either creating vascular compression or nerve compression, and both of them can cause damage. So and I would we think, want to make sure that we feel good. And I would think a lot of times when somebody's new to an activity like that, they're thinking, well, this is like there's going to be discomfort. Like that's part of the yeah. feel the burn kind of no pain, no gain. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> that mentality that, that is out yeah. there for sports and fitness. Your butt does have to get used to sitting on a seat, especially for a long time. Like that's yes, but yeah. I don't have calluses. Let's yeah, just be very clear. People absolutely. Always say, oh, I, I have to build up the calluses on my butt. No, you don't. Yeah. Well, I happens? agree with that. You too. have to build up the strength in your legs. So when I position myself on a bike, if my legs are strong, I don't put as much pressure on the saddle. If my legs are not strong, meaning I'm new to the sport or I don't ride regularly, people who ride once a month or twice a month, they're never going to feel awesome. doesn't matter how good your bike fit is because you're not strong. You're right. not progressing. When we do something often, we become more comfortable with it physically and mentally, right? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, then how did all this but, lead you to um, Peloton? If you do all this outdoor riding, how did you start with indoor riding on well, a Peloton? So I've been... Fitting, fitting is most, I won't say it's my full-time job, but if someone asks, I'm a bike fit. That's what I do. <laughs> okay. And yeah, I know. I do five, 600 fits a year, outdoor bikes. So it's a pretty significant volume. And then all the rest of the stuff happens too. The pandemic. Well, actually before the pandemic, I will say I started getting requests to go into people's homes probably in 2016, maybe 2017. And most of the time it was folks who I already had fit on a bike or their spouse. That happened a lot. It would be like, I'd fit a dude on his bike and he'd be like, my wife has this thing in the bedroom and she won't ride it because it hurts. And I'm like, huh? Okay, let's take a look. And to me, I was like, okay, I taught spinning all these years. Spin bikes were never very comfortable, but could we make them better? So I started going into people's homes, which is a little sketchy when you think about it in San Francisco and San Jose, but I did. And they were people I knew. And then... When the pandemic hit, I had to close my bike fit studio for seven out of 12 months. We were very restrictive here in California. Yeah, it was very stressful. I'm sure. Not knowing when you could start again. And you do one thing. Yeah. It's my one passion, right? And I can't do it. And we couldn't ride outside. And it's not like somebody tells you at the beginning, this will be for seven months. And then you're right. okay, right? Like it's yeah. like in the sixth month, you, you still have no idea. You still might like this could go on for two Forever. more years. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, yeah. that was a second. And it wasn't even time. seven consecutive months. It oh. was a big chunk, and then we got to go back to work until I think it was December of 2020, and then they shut us down again. And at that point, by then I was already doing some virtual work in the Peloton space, and so I just stayed shut until I was able to get vaccinated because I was like. I'm okay with not getting this virus, which I still haven't. I'm, I'm a unicorn that's never tested positive. Uh, you dodged that bullet so far, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Team unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Awkward. how did it occur? I guess it was in August of 2020, I decided to buy a Peloton for my studio because I didn't want to go to people's homes. And at that point, the bike boom meant that I was booked out for about seven months straight. Wow. And I didn't have time to go to someone's home. I was fitting 40, 60 hours a week. It was just crazy. And so I bought a Peloton and right at the same time, Matt Wilbers, who's one of the instructors for Peloton reached out to me and he said, Hey, Lori, 
And I had no idea who he was. I have to admit, I had to Google it because <laughs> I didn't ride Peloton. And so he said, Lori, I'm putting together this team of bike fitters. And it was kind of the secret society. Like some of the best bike fitters I know in the world were part of this team. And he's like, we're doing virtual Peloton fits. And I'm like, okay, I had started dabbling with that during the pandemic. And now I had a Peloton. So I was able to really, I think, master the bike because it's a little different than an outdoor bike, obviously. And I was like, that sounds fun. I'll do five a week. And he's like, no, can you do 20 a week? Wow. <laughs> I was like, no, that sounds dreadful. I'd never been on a Zoom call until the pandemic hit. And I was like, I don't know that I want to sit on a screen all day. I love what I do. I love working with my hands. But then I did my first week of work, I guess it was in October of 2020. I started October 1st and I absolutely loved it. I absolutely fell in love with the Peloton community and the people and meeting people from all over the world, which is just really exciting. And sharing the concept of bike fit and ergonomics with an audience that it's completely new yeah. And now three years later, it's not all that new to people anymore. But at that point, it was like people didn't realize that you could feel better. There's a efficient way to ride a bike and a less efficient. And I also think a lot of the Peloton community, they don't really ride bikes. They don't understand the concept of how we position ourselves on a bike and what it, what we should be doing, how to pedal, how to hinge at the hips, so you use your glutes. Yeah. So lots of education there as well. I would think the idea of a bike fitting in general would be an alien concept for a lot of people, especially if they're coming yeah. from the world of spin, because in a spin class, obviously, you don't have your own personal bike. So nobody would ever even think right. to get a special fit yeah. because in 10 minutes, someone else will be sitting on that bike. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, that yeah. was definitely a foreign concept yeah. to me. And I have to tell you that Matt Wilbers yeah. was actually the very first guest we ever had on this yeah. podcast. He was episode one. Uh, episode one. So and that two. was six years I ago. To it. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. That's great. We've gotten you better. You all have come a very long way. Yes. I did. After you reached out to me, I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast. And I then you listen to the first one. You're like, oh, oh I'm not doing this yeah, dog and pony show. No, like I this. listened to a recent one, too. Okay. Um, but you were in a very different place six years ago. But so was Matt. Yeah. That's true. That's so, true. Anyways. <laughs> So I have stayed with Matt, was working as a contractor. And at one point they decided they wanted to have full-time staff. And I was like, no, you know, that's not for me. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. And then I kind of reworked my schedule so I could come on full-time and still do a modified schedule of what I do here. So it's been kind of a, a neat combination of in-person and outdoor bikes with Peloton people too. That's so. great. And then this fall I started riding. I got a Peloton at home as well. I hadn't really ridden the one in the studio. And I think because it's the original bike and the power meters, it doesn't have a power meter. And it was very frustrating to me because I have a hard bike in my studio and my numbers look terrible. I was embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, this is no fun. <laughs> and so, right? My ego. I was like, I look really weak. I'm not weak. And it was at work. Who wants to go to work to get sweaty? Yeah, me. absolutely. So, I had a hard I bike here. I had a couple surgeries last fall oh. and I typically would ride my bike on a trainer and do virtual reality stuff. Zwift is a virtual reality platform that I used and decided it would be kind of hard to get on and off the trainer. And so that was my excuse. So I got the bike plus here and just embraced the power zone program and my team I'm on the Sober Squad team and I just love them and they're awesome and they high five everybody and super positive group and got really, really fit. I started the year at zero fitness, basically. My CTL was chronic training load was zero, literally. 
did a five minute ride in my slippers and <laughs> averaged 11 watts. And it was like the best day of my life <laughs> and built huge fitness riding the Peloton because we had rain here. We don't usually. Oh, get yeah. That's more you guys than a couple had days crazy a year. And we had four months. I rode thousands of miles inside of my Peloton this winter. Team Wilpers is doing all of the power zone like challenges now, too. Right. They just started doing that. <laughs> Yeah, they're launching. So, well, they started outdoor bike challenges, basically. Yeah. But you could also do them on a Peloton or a Zwift or whatever. So just a cycling challenge in general. I guess a year ago, Team Wilbur's launched their running challenges. And they've been super popular. It's a way to introduce a little more structured coaching to folks who maybe have always just looked at a screen and picked a class. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they had so many requests in the first two cycling challenges to just do some just Peloton-based so not outdoor riding, that they're launching Monday with Peloton-based Power Zone Challenge. That's yeah. awesome. So separate from Power Zone Pack, obviously, because yeah. there's another program there. Yeah. 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 But awesome. we'll see how it goes. So Is that how you... I think it will be a little different. There have been some questions about how does this affect the relationship with Power Zone Pack? And I just think it's a very different program. You have a coach and a, a curator, and actually Matt chose all the classes, which well, I guess was part of what they wanted to do. I definitely think that's an improvement. It's always concerned me because I used to do the Power Zone challenges a long, long time ago before Power, like the website existed. And it was always a concern yeah. that it was like, you don't know how it's being made. So you don't have somebody mm -hmm. checking like, oh, this is how much load. This is how much you're using your body in this way. And here's how to put the strength in. And, and I ended up getting certified through NASM just as a personal fitness trainer. So I wanted to mm -hmm. understand it. Like, what should I yeah. be doing? And so I wanted to teach myself that. I think it just kind of raised my awareness of that and that concern. So I really think that it's good that there's somebody that's picking those classes specifically that has that understanding yeah. of how that's being programmed. I think that's cool. Is that how you got into running too because of those running challenges? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Who starts running at 50? I think it was 52 when I started, 53. I have competed in a duathlon. I've dabbled in running since high school, kind of, right? That was always my torture. <laughs> Or I thought I should run. It should be a good exercise, right? As you know, it's portable. When I go on vacation, I can run. When I can't have a bike, I can run. But I never was consistent with it. And I had some hip issues, congenital sure. hip issues. So I have bilateral FAI, and then I have torn labrum and had mm -hmm. hip surgery in 2017. So anyways, long story short, I competed in duathlon on and off for 15 years and I would have the fastest bike split of the day and I'd get destroyed on the uh, run because I never trained it. Yeah. I just wouldn't train. I'd be out there chugging away at a pace that was nowhere near where I could do on the bike. So the day after the duathlon that I didn't win yet again, because I couldn't run two days after, I guess, because I couldn't walk the first day. And then the next day I decided, okay, what would happen if I run? If I actually trained to run, could I win this race? And that was October of 2019. And so I started running and my partner at the time is an engineer, a hardware engineer at Apple. And because of our involvement in the fitness world and his involvement in the hardware world, we got lots of cool opportunities to beta test stuff in the fitness realm, including the stride power meter. Oh. And so I started running and a couple of weeks in, he put this thing on my shoe and I was like, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's a power meter, just like on your bike. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I just collected data with it for a long time. And then I ran a 5k and it was a disaster. <laughs> 
I ran some Christmas race. I had one goal, don't go too hard. And I paced myself with what I thought would be the right pace group. And all the fast guys were there and I went too hard and I had like this asthma attack and I had to walk and it was embarrassing. But I had a cute dress on, like a candy cane dress. (laughs) 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 And then I did the hot chocolate 15K and it was better. Right. So I didn't go too hard. And here that's an interesting race because it's a 5K downhill, 5K out and back along the ocean. So you have a headwind and a tailwind or a tailwind and headwind, depending on the year. And then a 5K uphill. So pacing is a very interesting challenge for that. So with power, you can pace based on power versus perceived exertion or heart rate or the number, the pace, which is what most people do. And then I raced a half marathon and I had an okay time. I was right around two hours and I was like, okay, I'm going to come back and win this. That's what I said to myself that day. I'm going to come back a year later and win this half marathon. And then the pandemic hit. Like two weeks later, we shut down. And I kept running. There were a lot of virtual events. I was an ambassador for a running program called the Mermaid Series out here in California. I wasn't really motivated by virtual events, so I didn't do them, but I kept training and (laughs) Then I got to race again in fall of 2021. And all of a sudden I was on the podium. I was like, wow, this training stuff really works. (laughs) So I did a few races and then I went back and I won the half marathon, which was great. And hired a coach. Actually, I've had two coaches in the running world. One who really not a good choice for me, but I hired Steve Palladino as my running coach. And he was awesome. And he's an amazing power-based coach. So I learned a lot from him. And had a great season until I didn't. I did my last 10K and I won that. I won the Giants race in San Francisco. And then I couldn't run at all about two weeks later. And so I had had a a knee injury and chronic plantar fasciitis and a bunch of things that just the lake shut down. And I was like, oh, I'm done. So that was last September, almost a year ago now. We'll see. I've run a mile since then. Had a knee surgery and three months after the knee surgery, I went out and I ran a mile and I was like, okay, I can probably do this again, but it doesn't feel great. And I have all these cycling goals this year. So I'm going to resume in October, I think. I'm going to ride the Hincapi Grand Fondo in Greenville. Oh, nice. Uh, which a lot of the Peloton road riders do. Yes. And yes. Um, Matt and a bunch of his coaches do as well. So I'm going to go join them. And then I'm going to try to run again and see if it's within reach. Okay. Yeah. Well, and yes, it is hard on your body, but so is cycling, right? They're both true. hard, but in different ways. Cycling is high repetition. So that's stressful. Running is high impact. But I think with running, if you can train appropriately and find your threshold, I think one of the challenges I was running six days a week and I was doing pretty high mileage and it was more than I think my 57 year old body could do at that point. So <laughs> I, I'm you know, impressed when you choose your coach, choose someone who understands your demographic a little more maybe because I had this great coach who coaches mostly 20 year old men but he knew me from the bike racing world so he took me on and I think we just had me doing too much volume and I couldn't recover I couldn't handle it so we had just negotiated me being able to spend more time on the bike as cross training which I think I would do very differently now right I could Mm -hmm. split the time and get that training value in without the impact so we'll see Okay. Or I'll just keep riding bikes. Yeah. Know, so. Well, we'll have to we'll have to check in again. I know. Sure. I have a whole closet full of running shoes that all that are very sad because yeah. I had to go from I was running and my training shoes were Brooks Ghost. Yeah. And then I had racing shoes. And then Crystal's when like, I got the planet yes, you Help, yeah, maybe don't, you're not using them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god. Well, and you know, I like color. I oh. will say. And so anytime they would come out with all their new colors, I'd buy a whole bunch of them and I would have them to rotate and to have. And 
And then I had to change to all hokas, which was a very interesting transition and raced in hokas and trained in hokas. And then I have trail shoes and I have trail racing shoes. Yeah. I know. Lots of shoes. I, I know. Finally, it was sad opening. <laughs> I had them all hanging in the door in the closet and I finally put them all in a bin. I was like, okay, these have to go away for now. They need to stop so, looking we'll at back. me. Yeah. They're giving They're you bad you. I, yeah. 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 I totally understand. I do. I, I feel that right. so much. <laughs> yeah. But they're so pretty. They're all these colors like candy. It's like, okay. But I liked running. What I realized I liked about running was competing and I am a relatively competitive person, just my personality, even as a kid when outside of sport, I'm just competitive. And in bike racing, there's not really age group racing for women until you get to like the state level or the national level. It's your local races don't have it. And at my age, I don't want to compete with the teenagers and 20 year olds, not even just a fitness point of view, but they take risks that I can't take. I can't get injured or I can't do my job. So yeah. I don't want to crash my bike. Yeah. So in racing, there's age group racing. And I was like, oh, I can compete. And this is fulfilling that need. And that's what motivated me. So that's... to get up and do those runs every morning. That makes <laughs> Even sense. Even when I was in discomfort. Yeah, so, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. I never but really big thought about take that. Away, don't train and race through injury. That was silly. I should have known better. I kind of felt like my coach was going to retire at the end of the year. And so he was a limited quantity and I was trying to qualify for Boston. I had a registration for CIM, California International Marathon, which is the fastest Boston qualifier. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to make this happen. And we couldn't get me beyond 14 miles. We couldn't do it. Wow. I'm sorry. I know how frustrating (laughs) that is. So I retired instead of him retired. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. So I had a knee surgery. I had another surgery as well. And with the knee surgery... I had both a medial and a lateral tear and I'd run on the medial one for a long time. I knew I had it since 2016 at least, and it didn't bother me, but I got hit with a wave in Maui about a year and a half ago. And that's where I got the lateral tear. It just kind of sheared my leg out from Mm. under me. And it was a very hard decision though, because I was functional except for running and I was greedy. I wanted to run again. I could ride. I could work. I didn't have pain except one, like two days after one point when I, had an irritation running, but I was like, okay, I want to run again. So I had the knee surgery and we'll see. Okay. Well, good luck. Good luck. We are rooting for you. I know. Well, and I think at the end of the day, for me, I choose to participate in a sport that I know has risks, but everything in life has risks. And I think the benefits for me of riding a bike, of being healthy, of the social aspect of it, of being outside and seeing and smelling and hearing the world I mean, I've been able to ride my bike all over the world. I wouldn't have done that if I was a beer drinking, smoking theater person, right? <laughs> that is true. And so the bike has taken me amazing places. And I know that there's risks involved, but I choose to continue to ride because the benefits outweigh the risks for me. Yeah. So that's a good thing. But we shouldn't have to think about the risks that way. That'd be yeah. nice. For yeah. sure. What is your leaderboard name? Savvy Bike. Ah, that makes sense. My business name. Yeah. Well, my online moniker for most things has been Velo Girl. And of course, I was so late to the Peloton world. I went to pick Velo Girl and there's like a thousand of them. And I was like, well, I'm not just a Velo Girl 1010. I'm going to be original. I don't want those numbers. So I just chose my business Should have been the um, Velo Girl. The Velo Girl, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> There's a joke about that. There was an article about me in Bicycling Magazine back in 2003 or four. I don't remember. I guess it was three. At that time, there were no women's organizations anywhere. There were no race teams. There were no clubs. There was nothing. We were very original and we were recognized by USA Cycling for many years as like the Women's Club of the Year and the New Club of the Year, all these things. So this article in Bicycling Magazine, which of course, all the people who ride bikes read and we'd go out on rides and people would be like, are you the fellow? <laughs> and they would say it to whomever was in our kit. And they're like, no, that's not me. Oh, but do you know the fellow? <laughs> yeah. That's great. So we also used to joke the golden fellow girls. When I was a kid, I was in my thirties when I started this club and here I am almost 60 and I'm still doing the thing. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's really happening. We're aging with this, but it's an amazing sport you can continue to participate in your 60s and 70s and 80s and well, yeah. it changes. I mean, I guess e-bike will be in the future, but. I think it's very inspiring yeah. and I really appreciate that you shared all of this. So our listeners are so many people yeah. that don't know about all these amazing things you've done. So it's really cool to be able to share that and <laughs> inspire other people to do really cool things. And they don't have to be held back yeah. by fears or because they're uncomfortable on a bike. They can go get fitted. <laughs> yes, they can. So, well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank I love you. to chat. And <laughs> I love to get people turned on about riding bikes. It's a great sport. However you want to ride bikes, yeah. right? indoors, outdoors. Well, thank you so yeah. much for taking time out of your day to join us. Before we let you go, let everybody yeah. know where they can find you in all the places. Definitely. Sure. I'm on Instagram as Savvy Bike and also Velo Girls. And probably the easiest way to find me is through my website. So VeloGirls.com and SavvyBike.com. One is the Women's Cycling Club. The other is the coaching organization. And... I'm active on Facebook and Instagram and mostly lurking these days. I don't post as much anymore, but <laughs> I like to see what everybody else is doing and spit out a comment here or there. So. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I guess that brings this episode to a close until next week. Where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on uh, Instagram, all the socials, and the Peloton leaderboard at Clipout Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online at facebook.com slash The Clipout. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Clipout. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time. Keep pedaling. And running. And rowing. Bye.